Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. My Bible. It is God's Word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today. Open my heart to hear God speak a word. Reveal Jesus to me and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. God doesn't want me to live powerless. He wants me to live powerful. God doesn't want me and you to live powerless. He wants you and I to live powerful. Somebody say powerful. Or we could say full of power, right? Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, listen, he said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my disciples that are showing people the way and pointing people to a life in Christ and bringing healing and transformation and proclaiming the gospel. First and foremost, the power of God is for the proclamation of the gospel. But I don't want for us to miss this. The power of God through the Holy Spirit is also to empower you and me so that we can experience transformation and breakthrough and successful Christian living. God wants that for us. So we've been talking about for several weeks, uh, we've been talking about living an empowered life. Living an empowered life. And the subtitle is important. Understanding the importance of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not just an entity. He's not just a theological topic. He's not just a force. He is a person. Jesus said so. And if you can remember, we spent an extensive amount of time, four weeks, talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's personable. He wants to help you. He has feelings. He wants to walk with you. He wants to guide you. And then last week, we started talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about three spiritual power gauges that will help you and I to avoid being deceived by the enemy. And the power gauges were simply this, God's written word, the Holy Spirit, and the changed life that we experience. Those are all power gauges that we can use in our life to keep us on the truth. If you missed any of that, and if you're watching on Facebook, and if you've missed any of those, let me encourage you, especially if you're part of Lakeshore Gastonia, go back and listen to those podcast messages or go back to Lakeshore Gastonia's Facebook page and catch up because these messages are laid out systematically so that you can just put line upon line, precept upon precept, and these truths begin to unlock themselves in your heart and in your life, and I don't want you to be missing things so that you can 
walk with us together because God's taking us somewhere together as we're talking about these truths, right? And so we want for you to stay with us. Today, new information, Hebrews chapter 6. So if you have a Bible and you want to go with me in the Bible to Hebrews, it's towards the back. It's after First and Second Timothy and Titus, Hebrews. It's before James. Hebrews chapter 6. And I'm going to read just three verses to give us a little bit of a um, head start into today's message. And the, the main point of today's message is going to come from a sentence in one of these three verses. Now, I want you to know that the book of Hebrews was written to a bunch of discouraged Jewish believers. And they were steeped with a lot of Old Testament rituals, and they had a lot of Old Testament understanding. They're believers in Christ now. They're Christians. And they thought that Jesus would have returned by the time that they were experiencing all of this hardship. And so the writer is writing to them, and he's encouraging them to keep growing in their relationship with Jesus. He's encouraging them not to cast away their faith. He's encouraging them to understand that what you have in Jesus is far better than what you ever had in the Old Testament, which was just the shadow of Jesus. And he's encouraging to the point because he knows that if they begin to get so discouraged and they throw in the towel, so to speak, that they'll turn back to their old way and their old life and they'll fall away from their relationship with Jesus. And so that's where the writer of Hebrews is coming from. And he's taking it up in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And let me read it to us. He says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Let me pause. Elementary principles of Christ basically means the ABCs of Christianity. It's the basics. It's the fundamentals. It's what you build the found, uh, you're, you're building on. It's the foundation. And then he says, let us go on. Okay? Let us go on. We don't want to keep going over the basics. Let us go on to perfection. The word perfection means maturity. It means spiritual maturity. Not that you and I will ever be perfect and sinless on this side of heaven. He's talking about growing up and moving on and building up our faith unto maturity. And then he says this, not laying again the foundation, notice this, of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, say baptisms, baptisms, plural, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. If it's in God's will, we'll do this. We'll move on beyond those. He lists six fundamental, basic doctrines of our Christian faith in these three verses. Notice, if you have a pen or a highlighter in your Bible, you want to highlight or underline. Notice he says in verse 2, the doctrine of baptisms. Now, some Bibles say teachings. Some Bibles say teachings. It's a little easier to understand. The word doctrines means teachings. Teachings. Bible teachings about baptisms. Some versions say washings. you got to keep in mind that he's speaking to Hebrew uh, Jewish believers who did a lot of ceremonial washings for purification. 
And so some versions say washings, but this is baptisms. And there are some fundamental baptisms that are part of the Christian faith. And I want for us to see what the Bible says about them because they're foundational. If we're going to grow up and become strong and mature in our relationship with God. So the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, here's the title. Three Essential Baptisms. Say it with me, church. Come on. Three essential baptisms. I promise if you put on your thinking cap, you're going to learn something new today. If you know it already, you're going to be encouraged to appropriate it or apply it in a fresh new way. Here's the subtitle, Moving on to Maturity in Christ. How many know that's the goal? God wants us to mature in Christ. He wants us to be transformed. Now, we understand, most of us do, that in any area of our life, if we want to grow, if we want to get stronger in any area of our life, we have to establish some foundations, some principles. Isn't that true? That's even true when it comes to fishing. I've got a picture of me holding a fish that I caught a couple of weeks ago in a river. And I want for us to look at it. Isn't that fun? Look at that fish. That's a nice rainbow trout. I caught that in a river up in the mountains in North Carolina. I had so much fun. But I want to use this as an example because uh, when I first started fly fishing, I had to learn some basic, fundamental, foundational skills in order to go from catching zero fish to catching on my best day 50 fish in a few hours in a river. See, the first time I went out there, I didn't catch anything. The second time, the third time, about a half a dozen times. And I had to keep going back to some of the pros at the fly fishing shop so that I can get the basics. And there's basics that have to be appropriated if you're going to catch some fish. The river's full of fish. But if you don't have the basics, you're going to get skunked every single time. And that's what was happening to me. And some of the basics that I had to lay as foundations were the rod selection. The rod selection is important. The rod selection has to match the type of fish and the weight of the fish that you're going to fish for. What also was important was the fly selection or the lures. The, the pros would say you got to learn to match the hatch, right? There's different bugs that are hatching at different times of the year on the river. And the goal would be to get a fly or a lure that looks close to the real thing. So you got to match the hats. That's a basic fundamental skill that you have to develop when you're learning to fly fish. And another one is your gear. You got to have the right gear. You got to have your waders. You got to have wading boots. You even got to have the right net. There's some nets that you don't want to use for fly fishing because the hooks are so small. And if you have a nylon net, every time you hook or, or you catch your fish in there and the hook comes off of the lips of the fish, it gets all caught up in the nylon net, and you spend half of your time trying to get the hook off of your net. You don't want to waste your time doing that when you could be catching fish. What, what are you trying to say, Pastor Robert? I'm trying to say, before I can catch a fish like that, I had to get the basics down. Once I got the basics down, I was able to move on to learning how to catch 50 trout using a fly rod in a river on one trip. When it comes to your spiritual life, if you want to grow and you want to get stronger in your relationship with God, you have to get the basics down. 
Why is that important? It's important because when it comes to your spiritual life, God doesn't want you to just grow older. He wants you to grow stronger and He wants you to become mature. Can somebody say amen? But in order for us to do that, we have to have some building blocks, some fundamental elements in place so that we can move forward unto Christian maturity. And the reason why that's important is because these three baptisms that I want to show us from the Scripture, they represent building blocks that we have to have put in place that we can stand on that will help us to grow stronger and grow into maturity. Now, I want you to know this. It is possible that some Christians don't get as spiritually strong and as spiritually mature as God wants them to because they haven't experienced these three foundational baptisms. And I want to show you from the Scripture what they are. So let's discover them together. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3. This is going to be a little bit of a Bible study, but it's going to be great insight. Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and then verse 11. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. This is what he said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now the word repent means to be sorry for your sin, to change your mind, and go a different direction towards Jesus. That's what repent means. For the kingdom of heaven, the power of God is at hand. Jesus brought it. John the Baptist is a forerunner. He's preaching and he's pointing people to Jesus. Verse 11, this is what he said. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, Jesus, who is coming after me, is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. With the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. With the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you ever heard of the word baptize? We've got a lot of different um, traditions in the churches today. Um, some, some babies were baptized uh, or sprinkled, right? Some, some adults were baptized. But most people in the church understand what this word means as it pertains to water. But let's take a little closer look. The word baptize in the New Testament is the Greek word baptizo, B-A-P-T-I-Z-O, baptizo. And it simply means to dip, to immerse, or to submerge completely. So it's not a sprinkling. It's a submersion. It's, it's an immersing. The Greeks in this day used the word baptizo to signify the dyeing of a garment. Right? If you're going to dye your t-shirt or a garment, you would dip it in dye. Or you could say the drawing of water by dipping a vessel into another larger vessel to scoop it out. That, that smaller vessel was baptizo. It was baptized. It was immersed. It went under. And it pulled other water out. Now, how many of you heard of the Great Commission? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, go therefore, 
And it said, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have taught you and I'm with you forever. How many of you ever heard that? So Jesus even commanded His early and first followers to make other followers, and the first thing they were supposed to do is baptize them. I also want you to know when we're talking about baptism, it carries the idea of being all in. All in. Man, he was baptized into the club, meaning he was all in, all the way in, all the way down. He wasn't holding back, no reservation. So it carries that idea of being all in. Now think about this with me. Um, When it comes to baptism or baptizing, there are three components. Listen to me. Very important. Three components. One is the baptizer. The one who's doing the baptizing, like the pastor. He's the baptizer. That's one component. The other component is the person being baptized. That's the baptizee. You with me? That's a person going under the water, right? And then the third component is this. Think about it. What are they being baptized into? If it's water, that's the third component, right? You with me? There's three components. So I want to identify these components as we just real quickly talk about these three essential baptisms. So number one in your study guide or if you're taking notes, essential baptism number one is this. Baptism into the body of Christ. Say it with me. Baptism into the body of Christ. Let me show you what I mean. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. This is what the Bible says. For by one Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, let me pause and just clarify if you didn't catch it. This verse tells us that when someone receives Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, mysteriously but supernaturally in the unseen realm, He is the baptizer. He baptizes you. He places you into, he immerses you into the family or the body of Christ. So most people don't recognize that. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit, not a pastor, the Holy Spirit, supernaturally, he calls you to transfer from the kingdom of darkness, and he transferred you and baptized you into the body of Christ. And now you're a full-fledged child of God. You're a member of the body of Christ. So in this verse, you can very clearly see. There's no water, but it's the Holy Spirit who's the baptizer. And He's baptizing everyone who's accepted Jesus into, say into, into one body. Do you see that there in that verse? Highlight it, circle it, underline it so you can see. Baptism into the body of Christ. Somebody say, I got it, Pastor Robert. You got it? Okay, number two. This is the essential baptism number two. Baptism into water. How many of you have been water baptized? All the way down, right? Water baptized. A lot of people have been water water baptized, but this is essential. Okay? Uh, Notice Acts, the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. 
Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 38. Let me set it up. Uh, Philip is an evangelist. Philip is a servant of God. And Philip is translated supernaturally uh, next to this Ethiopian guy who's reading out of the Old Testament text, out of the book of Isaiah. And he's reading about Jesus. But he doesn't really understand it. And he has this, uh, this encounter with Philip who's encouraged to explain things to him. Let me pick it up in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. Somebody say water. Right? And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Question mark. Verse 37. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And he, Philip, baptized him. Can you see the word baptized? So Philip is the baptizer. The eunuch who was understanding things and gave his life to Jesus He's the baptizee. He's the one being baptized. And what was he baptized into? Come on, say it. It starts with the W, nice and loud. Water, water. So the essential baptism, number one, was baptism into the body of Christ. You're not saved if that hasn't happened. You're not saved if you haven't received Christ. You're not saved if you haven't been put into the body of Christ. Uh, essential baptism, number two, we could see it very clearly. Baptism into water. That's all over the scriptures. It's one of the first things that every Christian should want to do because Jesus wants us to do it. It's identifying with him. I'm all in. The old life is dead. The new life is alive. The old life is buried. The new life is raised to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a proclamation. It's a celebration. It's a declaration. I am a follower of Jesus. That's water baptism. So powerful. Publicly declaring, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Lord of my life. So we got baptism into the body of Christ. We've got baptism into water. Here's the third essential baptism if you're taking notes. Here it is. You ready? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me pause and just kind of make some additional uh, uh, insertions here. <clears throat> Depending on what kind of a background you have, in church. This could be exciting. It could be um, great information to rehearse for some. It could be a little unsettling. It could even be uh, a little scary based on maybe an experience you had or some phraseology you heard from wide-eyed, charismatic Pentecostal guy or a preacher. So my, my hope is that we just stay open to the teaching of the Scripture and we don't create any of our own ideas and we trust God. God isn't going to give us anything that isn't good for us. Amen? And God's not going to show us anything that He doesn't want for us to experience from the Scriptures. So I just want you to know that this is something that's in the Bible and I want to explain to you what it is in just a few minutes and we don't have time to go in depth. We'll have more teaching about this later, but I want for us to see what this is and some of the experiences that people had, and then I want us to see whether or not we've had that because it is an essential baptism that will lead us into a more strengthened and more powerful, power-filled life. I also want you to know as a pastor, 
I will never ask any congregation member to do anything that would make them feel uncomfortable, uneasy, or they don't want to do. But also as a pastor, I'm not going to skip the truth from the Scripture because we need all the counsel of God. And if you and I decide to push back from it at that point, at least you know what you're pushing back on. And you can make an informed decision. Fair enough? Come on, somebody say fair enough. Okay? So baptism in the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, don't forget, the Holy Spirit baptizes you. He places you in the body of Christ. When you get water baptized, the pastor, for example, or another believer, he baptizes you in water. When referring to baptism in the Holy Spirit, who does the baptizing? Let's read about it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. We looked at it already, but catch it. John is speaking, John the Baptist. He said, I indeed baptize you in water unto repentance. That's talking about being saved. When you're baptized in water and you repent from your old life and you decide to follow Jesus, you're saved, right? And then he said this. Listen to what he said. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. I'm reading out of the ASV version. He said this, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear or to carry. He, if you have a pen or a highlighter and you want to write it down, you can write the word Jesus because that's who he's referring to. He, Jesus, shall baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Somebody say Holy Spirit. So in this Bible verse, it's not a trick question. Shout it out if you hear it and you know it. Who is the one doing the baptizing in this verse? Jesus. Jesus is doing the baptizing. And who is he baptizing us in? The Holy Spirit. You guys see that? You got it. Vinny got it. He's paying attention up there. So Jesus specifically refers to this is specifically referring to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at Acts, the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's also known as the Acts of the Apostles or Acts of the Holy Spirit. Notice this. The Bible says this. For John truly baptized with water. We saw that in Matthew. This is Jesus speaking. But you, talking to his followers, shall be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, in some uh, versions, like the New King James, it says you shall be baptized with. Now, this is interesting. In the Greek, it's the word in, E-N, E-N. That can be translated in, as in in, like submerged, immersed, or with, accompanied with. Either way... It's in and with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying that to his disciples. You will be baptized in and with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to keep in mind, then uh, Jesus leaves. He ascends to heaven, right? And then the disciples go to the upper room. How many remember that? They go to the upper room and they're praying. Uh, most Bible commentaries and most uh, Bible scholars when you look at that text real closely, they'll say that there was about 120 followers of Jesus in the upper room praying and waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus told them to anticipate. I want to say this. For those of you who grew up in a Catholic church like my wife, Mary 
the mother of Jesus is among those 120. She's up there with him praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit. You have to read it closely later, study it, but it's there. Now let's fast forward to Acts chapter 2. Jesus is gone. The disciples are waiting for the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I want to read it. Look at this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, Pentecost is a celebration of the harvest of the first fruits. It was a big Jewish celebration, thanking God and anticipating for more harvest to come. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. Not the car. They were in unity. They were in unity. In one place. Okay? Notice verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. A sound. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Now, I don't know how that happened. It's mysterious. It's supernatural. For some reason, God put these tongues over each of their heads, and they looked around, and they saw these fires kind of like a tongue on top of their head. You know, when fire is kind of going like that in the fire pit, you know, it looks like this. That's probably what they saw, right? I don't know all the significance. Maybe there was this, this new fire, this new passion, this new uh, on fire uh, passion and heart for God that they were going to experience because of this uh, scenario that they were stepping into. But this is what they saw. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4 with me. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can somebody say amen? That's powerful. Pastor Robert, what's that all about? Well, it's supernatural. They were immersed by Jesus in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. It hit them so beautifully and so powerfully that by the supernatural utterance of God, they begin to praise and thanks God, and they begin to speak in other languages. That's what the Bible says. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Three baptisms. Baptism into the body of Christ when you get saved. Baptism into water, proclaiming and declaring that you're saved and you're a follower of Jesus. And then listen, Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Can I just say this? This is not about you getting more of God. This is about God getting more of you. It's about me becoming more yielded to Him and, and who He wants me to become. Now, before we leave, I want to show you a sweet video from Sister Sarah Rose. She's a Catholic nun, and um, she, she went to Franciscan University, and She's going to share with us in five or six minutes, so don't fall asleep, her experience as a Catholic sister with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Will you turn it nice and loud so we can watch it? And turn the lights down a little bit, and then I'll come up and finish our time together. Pay attention. My name is Sister Sarah Rose, and I'm with the Franciscan Sisters to our Penance of the Sorrowful Mother. And I'm answering the question, how has your baptism in the Holy Spirit impacted your life and ministry? And I just wanted to share briefly about my experience of baptism in the Spirit. 
Um, I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville uh, for college, and during one of the retreats that they have, they can pray over you for baptism in the Spirit. So um, I went on the retreat, and they prayed over me, and I experienced a lot of different things. Um, some of them was, the first one was, I just felt like an emptying out of me, of emptying of things that maybe I thought I was, or um, burdens that I had, weights. And then after I was kind of just emptied out, I felt um, the Lord fill me with joy. And it was so palpable that I just started laughing and I just couldn't help it. It just was coming out of me. So I, it's kind of embarrassing in a way because I was just like, oh, nobody else is laughing. I'm laughing, but I couldn't help it. And um, some other things were they led me in prayer for tongues. And so I received that. And then another thing was music. So I actually started, they were like, hey, let's sing this song together. So I started singing. I started singing in harmony. I'd never done that before. So just different things the Lord opened up. And I can feel them at work even now as a sister. Um, but as far as like getting to become a sister, I really don't think I would be here if I hadn't experienced baptism in spirit. I think that um, I wouldn't have been open as I was. Um, and part of receiving that he longed to be united with me. And I think some of the fruits too were just, I wanted to go to prayer all the time. I had such a desire to be with Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, and, and then also just as I felt him pursuing me more, I was like, I think this is, you know, maybe just one-on-one -on -one kind of a thing, you know, like I need to look into religious life. So um, as I was looking, because um, the charismatic gifts and baptism in spirit, praise and worship were such a part of my conversion and my life and just personal relationship with God. I just knew that, that I would like that to be a part of my religious life. So as I was looking, um, I found our community and we are coming, we're a fruit of the charismatic renewal. And um, we, we do have times of praise and worship every week. And we're open to the charismatic gifts during that and during our ministries, prayer with each other, um, and just invoking the Holy Spirit throughout the day. So I, yeah, there was there was something there that I, I wanted and saw, and um, I knew it would it would stretch me in the areas of the charismatic gifts. So I wanted that. As far as like how it's impacted my ministry or where I'm at now these days. Um, for my ministry, I got to be at Franciscan University where I experienced baptism in the spirit and so much being given to me. So I got to give back for six years um, in the area of praise and worship and um, yeah, different retreats that have to do with the Holy Spirit, um, walking with students who are leading praise or leading prayer ministry, um, all those kind of ministries that, that go with that type of prayer or retreats. So it was such a gift to give back where I've received so much and also to walk with students and mentoring them in that area. So he was very much at work with that um, and expanding my, my gifts of the Holy Spirit because I was helping people to learn how to do that. So that was crazy and good. <laughs> and then a way that I feel the Lord's working now is I, I now am at the mother house and I'm working with the novices in formation. And I, I press into the Holy Spirit with asking for wisdom and understanding and counsel and um, in my interactions with the sisters. And also I was just thinking during my times of teaching, we have classes together. I'm just trying to be open to movements of the Holy Spirit during class and open to his promptings. Something that we get to talk about is being Franciscans because we're Franciscan sisters. 
And St. Francis himself is a man of joy and a man of the Holy Spirit. And he was one that wanted to follow the Holy Spirit wherever he led him. And uh, so it's such a gift to be able to be in the spirituality and in the footsteps of someone that was open to the Holy Spirit. And I feel like the Franciscan spirituality is a perfect little home for the charismatic renewal and the and openness to the Holy Spirit in general. So St. Francis is such a gift to have in our patrimony. Another area is prayer because we're con contemplative active. So just being open to Holy Spirit in the movements of my prayer and knowing that that's going to affect those around me if I'm open to what he wants to do in me. During our times of praise, we have praise and worship at the mother house and Again, um, we get to pray with each other in that way or just lift up each other with being open with uh, words of prophecy or um, encouragements from scripture and just allowing Lord to speak through us for our sisters. And then um, lastly, um, something else that just personally that I like to do throughout the day or just particularly when I'm like, I don't know what to do about this Lord or what should we do next? I just pray in tongues or sometimes I'll just pray in tongues as I'm walking around the mother house and praying for the sisters that I pass or um, praying for a situation that's on my heart. So that's also another way of seeing just the Holy Spirit at work definitely within my own life and prayer and ministry within the sisters. Thank you so much. God bless you. Wow, come on, would you give her a hand? I know she's not here and we don't know her, but that's a great testimony, isn't it? I, I wrote down what she said here as we're getting ready to close this. And she said, I really don't think I would be here if it weren't for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Be here, meaning her life, her ministry, her impact, her journey with God her experiences as a daughter of God, she attributes that to this supernatural experience that she had. The Bible calls it the baptism in the Holy Spirit where Jesus immerses us supernaturally. And we're just overwhelmed. She had joy. She had laughter. She had singing. She had praying in tongues. Can you believe it? A Catholic sister's praying in tongues. It's in the Bible. Next week, we're going to talk about what is praying in tongues. And I also want you to know that next Sunday on our TKK campus, it's a 30-minute drive from here. And if anybody wants to go, we'll meet in the parking lot and I'll drive. Next Sunday, everyone's invited to our main campus. And we're going to have a night of worship. And people will have an opportunity to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit through prayer. That's what she experienced He's a person, and he wants to overflow us with power and with joy and ministry capability. Amen. Have you been blessed by the word today? Come on, stand to your feet, and let's pray, and we'll close our service. Father, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you for the ministry of the word. We thank you for growing us up and strengthening us. God, we know we may not understand everything in the scripture, but we're so grateful that we have the ultimate teacher the Holy Spirit himself. I pray that you would take this message and you would cause it to get deep down on the inside of our hearts and cause it to begin to grow and grow up unto fruitfulness so that we can experience everything that you have for us as empowered, maturing followers of Christ. We all agree in Jesus' name and we said, Amen.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.